Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, brand new week, first day of the month of June. And across the Southeastern Conference, you have student-athletes who are beginning the process of returning to campus and going through testing and wellness checkups to uh, make sure that everybody's good in advance of one week from today being able to begin voluntary workouts on campus. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, glad to have you along as we start this new week. We remind you as we begin things that the C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cares. We are glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. We've got a ton to get to, uh, including what I mentioned just a second ago, that uh, you've got uh, folks returning to campuses today. Um, you know, in the state of Mississippi, a beautiful weekend. Uh, I, I hope it was as nice where you are as it was in North Mississippi. Temperatures in the low 80s. A lot of people outside enjoying pools and barbecues and cookouts and um, you know, lake time, golf courses, whatever else. And I guess in a lot of ways in the Magnolia State felt like uh, just another nice weekend in the late spring, early part of the summer. But across the country, uh, especially in major cities across the sun, uh, country, it was a much different weekend. It was a, uh, a difficult weekend, an ugly weekend. Um, I suppose if you were looking for silver linings, there are places where you saw things that were inspirational and were, uh, were uplifting. Uh, but a lot of ugliness across the United States over the uh, the weekend. So let's do this in two phases. Let, let's start kind of locally. How was your weekend? What'd you do? What's going on? And then we'll uh, we'll kind of turn the conversation to the national story. And and Borky, you and I made a conscious decision last week to uh, not spend a lot of time talking about the George Floyd story. It was uh, everywhere you wanted to look. That's what people were talking about. But as a general rule, unless it is something that uh, pertains specifically to the state of Mississippi, uh, we tend to kind of stick to sports. I mean, we, we roll stuff in and out, uh, but obviously the, uh, the story of, uh, of the protests, of the riots, of the violence, of the pain and suffering uh, that is going on all over the United States is really what everybody in the United States is talking about right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unavoidable, and it shouldn't be. Uh, you mentioned uh, this weekend, and 
I had on Saturday uh, just a, a few friends over, um, mostly because I like my friends, but mostly to get the, the little guy used to seeing strange faces. So we, we did a low-key, just had a couple friends over, put something on the smoker. But I went probably six hours uh, without, a f- without being on my phone and without having a television on. And after my friends left and after we gave the, the little guy a bath and put him to bed, I sat down on the couch for the first time in probably, yeah, like I said, six hours or so and opened up Twitter. And the things that, that I saw that happened in that time where I was just kind of in my own little bubble um, it was hard to, to really wrap your mind around because it wasn't just Minneapolis anymore. I mean, it was Atlanta in Dallas and Houston and Los Angeles and Raleigh, North Carolina, and it, all over the country, similar things happening. It was just, um, it was almost overwhelming and sad. And I spent the next hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes uh, just reading and seeing everything I could, uh, even though it, I mean, just uh, was overwhelmingly sad to, to watch that unfold. So um, that's, that's really how my weekend went, is I went from inside of a bubble to opening up reality with what was going on everywhere. Hey, Dad, what's up on a Monday? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot up here in Starkville today. Like I said, nice weather. Excited to get everybody back on campus. You know, maybe we can uh, you know, start uh, doing a little work again. Yeah, it feels like our, uh, our towns are kind of coming back to life uh, a little bit as we... Uh, you know, get closer to uh, what looks like it's going to be the start of uh, of a summer camp. Uh, calling it a fall camp this year is probably, uh, I don't know that it makes sense to call it that any year, but uh, specifically this year uh, where it looks like it's probably going to begin in uh, in mid-July. It's going to be hot when they, uh, they begin football. Uh, burnt ends. You sent me a picture. How did they turn out? Oh, they were fantastic. Absolutely incredible. Uh, just, just, I can't stress enough how good they were. There you go. They looked really, really good. They, they they tasted better than they looked. If that's how long possible. did they take to cook? Uh, it was about a four hour cook. Okay, so like a, a five six hour process when you go prep time and everything else. I mean, prep time wasn't really that 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 much. It's just you know cubing up the pork belly and uh, and uh, you know seasoning and rubbing it. But but other than that, yeah, it, maybe four and a half hours total. There you go. And, you know, kind of what I was talking about with Borky just a second ago, the, uh, the, the news of what's happening in our country across the, uh, you know, sea, sea to shining sea. You know, whether you're talking about New York or D.C. or Atlanta or Nashville or, uh, you know, cities in the Midwest or cities on the West Coast, it's kind of unavoidable. Completely unavoidable. You know, especially for someone like me who's, you know, spent a lot of time on social media. I mean, it's just basically all I saw all weekend. And, uh, yeah. Rippy, what about you? What's up? Not a whole lot, just, you know, hanging out, enjoying the weather. Didn't do a whole lot this weekend, really. Just played golf and hung out. I hear you. You know, uh, again, I, I don't want us to, to dwell on this, and I'm, I'm not even sure that I'm saying this the right way. When I say I don't want to be cliche, but it's... You, you, you've seen and you've read so many statements from people who are white making the comment that it's not it's not possible 
for me to really be able to understand or to really be able to walk in the shoes of a person of color because I'm not. And so I don't want to be cliche and say that, and yet I do want to recognize that that's a very true statement. And I'm not turning this into a conversation about white privilege or anything else. Um, we're, we're at a dark time in our country. Politically, I don't know that the United States has ever been more divided than it is right now. And, and I don't just mean Republicans and Democrats. I mean tolerance for opposing viewpoints. Probably mean that more than, than anything, more so than whatever your political affiliation is. Um, th- there's, there's no tolerance. And I probably am guilty of this myself at times. If you are someone who is conservative by nature, then you probably don't have a lot of tolerance, or most of us don't, for opposing viewpoints. If you are liberal by nature, you don't have a lot of tolerance or interest in hearing uh, opposing viewpoints. But I think we can look at this issue that we're dealing with right now that started with the death of George Floyd, and that's a really, really hard video to watch, although, uh, again, it's unavoidable because it's constantly been there for the last few days. And you can be absolutely heartbroken that in the most free country in the world, in the country in the world where we, as an entire society, have more opportunity and more freedom and more privilege, um, that that type of thing can happen. But it is equally disgusting to see the violence, the riots, the protest, and also the co-opting of one message for whatever your belief system is. You know, there's been a lot of talk about um, you know Antifa and other extremist groups who are co-opting this protesting time that is happening all across the country to incite violence and to loot and to destroy property. And I think the overall takeaway this weekend is it's a really, really sad time in our country. There were statements, if we are making this um, about sports, which is not really. Um, there, You had statements from football coaches, from athletics directors, from university presidents, uh, on down the line. And... I feel like there is a message of unity from a lot of different places. And we'll kind of leave this behind after this segment, but hopefully unity is what can end the day. And we can somehow emerge from this with a little more respect, a little more tolerance, and a lot more love. And it feels like that might go a long way toward making things a little better for all of us. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Um, 
I don't want it. I didn't want that to be like a last word thing at all. If uh, if any of you guys have got stuff that you would like to add, it's something that we can kind of work in through uh, throughout the conversation uh, this afternoon. I, I thought there were uh, were a lot of poignant things that were out there from uh, from sports figures, from some coaches, and from athletics directors. Uh, maybe none more so than uh, the letter that uh, Frank Martin and his wife Anya uh, penned where he kind of talked uh, some about um, not his story but his wife's story and the way that they have uh, tried to raise their family and the way that he's tried to uh, uh, interact with his players over time. Uh, And for him, uh, it's a lot about respect. I saw that on, uh, I guess it was Saturday, and uh, really thought a lot of that. I've, I've said before that I've got a lot of respect for uh, for Frank Martin. Uh, he is a, a much different person than the uh, persona you just see uh, that's uh, kind of red-faced and hot and bothered sitting on the bench at a basketball game. Um, so anything, guys, that, that you want to add uh, before we kind of move on to some of the uh, the other stories that are going on? Uh, I, I don't want to bury our heads in the sand, but I also um, understand that, generally speaking, uh, most people come to us on Sports Talk Mississippi, not for... Uh, uh, national news conversation, but for uh, some sports conversation, I'll um, I'll just add one thing. I, I feel like it was important, and, and you pointed it out to a degree. I talked about it uh, some yesterday as well. That um, one of the sadder things in this that I have noticed uh, that has struck me is the fact that there are very clearly uh, some organized groups or. In some cases, just opportunists, but in other cases, uh, a very organized sect of people that have decided to um, hijack what would have been a message that I think everybody would have understood. I mean, a man was a man died uh, while in the hands of a police officer. That did happen, and there are people that are genuinely scared and hurt by that event, and they were going to protest. Uh, the way the First Amendment allows them to do so, a fundamental right in this country, and in some places it worked, like Memphis. There were some really powerful things that happened in Memphis over the weekend. But in some places, not exclusively, but in some places, there very clearly is a group of people, um, organized and in some cases not organized, but an organized group of people that have decided to hijack any message that would have been received this weekend and make it about chaos and destruction and damage. I mean, you've all probably seen the videos by now of people in all black and a gas mask walking by windows of stores with a hammer and just knocking the windows out of the stores they walk by. There are people out there that are taking the message that would have been received and turning it into something else. So now all the coverage is about fires and damage and chaos and a lot of that was started by a group of people that only wanted to do that. And the the message of protests, real protests, not riots, real protests, people exercising that First Amendment right with real fear and real purpose, their message has now been buried by bad actors who have decided to turn this into anarchy and chaos. And that is that is incredibly sad to see. And that happened in cities all across the country is like in Pittsburgh, there's an FBI manhunt for somebody that started a riot on their own with no other agenda besides that. You saw it in Nashville. A guy got arrested for uh, setting a government building on fire. He wasn't out there protesting. He was trying to create chaos. And seeing that is so sad to me because there are people 
I mean, athletes on teams that I love and athletes on the, the schools here in this state and, and coaches and all these people that are involved in sports that have given testimonials that um, I cannot relate to. My life experience is very different than theirs, and their message is now getting suppressed because of bad actors who have decided to create chaos, and it's, it's just so sad to see that happen. You know, one thing I was thinking about earlier today that, um, that, that kind of struck me, and I've seen coaches point to this, and I think sports lends itself in a way that a lot of other parts of life, sports at least when you're a part of a team, lends itself to being colorblind. Um, I went to a public, I grew up here in Oxford. I went to Oxford High School. And, you know, the, the, the white-black split in my high school was, I don't know, probably 60-40. Some, something along those lines. And I never, ever remember thinking about my high school football teammates. I played quarterback. Not very well, but I did. Started one year, my senior year. I don't know. I've seen and some never, stats recently that you had at least a handful of good games, but uh, yeah, I know you're just there, being there were a few that were in there. Um, I never thought about my offensive linemen were black or white. I thought about them as my teammates. And I think for the most, you know, if, if at no other time within the confines of a game setting, they would have done anything for me. And I would have done anything for them. And I'm not sure if there is a single thing in sports, single thing that comes from sports, that's more valuable than being colorblind. If, if, if you're on a football team and you can tackle, it's all your teammates care about. I mean, not, not that you don't have relationships beyond that, but within the confines of a team sport, can you run the ball? Can you get it into the end zone? Can you throw a pass? Can you catch? Can you tackle? Can you block? So it's, it's what it's all about. And, and, and you're not thinking about, well, you know, you live in this neighborhood and I live in this neighborhood, or uh, we're going to split up. It's just not how it is. And I think that's some of the powerful message that comes from sports at a time like this. Certainly you have um, people in, in, in all sports and of all races within sports who are speaking out. And rightfully so. And hopefully it's with uh, a message of, uh, of positivity. I, I will say this, and, and this is... Frankly, it's a conversation that probably is going to return to the forefront when we when we get back to football season. And and I'm curious kind of your reaction to this. There were a lot of people, a lot of people who were turned off by the actions of Colin Kaepernick a few years ago. And we talked about it and I mean it's been talked about just till you just wanted it to go away and not talk about it anymore. But you've seen a lot of imagery and stories nationally about okay, th this is what 
Colin Kaepernick was trying or attempting to bring attention to. It wasn't to be disrespectful to men and women who've served in the military. It wasn't to be disrespectful to the flag. And that's all a lot of people wanted to see in that. It feels like we're probably trending toward a time where you're going to see more of that this fall in football season when the NFL rolls around. Will you receive the message any differently than you did three years ago, or four years ago, whenever it was that, that that was happening? Do you think that message will be received differently if that indeed does happen, whether it's on an NFL field or a college basketball court or a college football field or, or whatever? Do you think it will be received differently if it happens all over again? To some degree, yeah. Uh, there, of course, will still be people that that will find it inappropriate and voice that opinion. But I think to some degree, yeah, there will be a shift in the thinking of, of that kind of action, yeah. Hey, Dad, what do you think? If if And I, I know college football is a little bit different because it's rare that college football players are actually on the field when the national happen, uh, national championship happens. Would it be received differently if Mississippi State athletes chose to kneel or chose to do something to bring attention to um, to the particular cause than it would have been a few years ago? No, I don't think it'll be seen any differently. I think that uh, people are locked into their views and there's no changing them. And uh, if, if Mississippi State athletes do that, they will receive a lot of criticism uh, from their own fans. Rippy, you think the same thing about Ole Miss athletes? Yeah, I mean, you had it well, a little over a year ago when you know there was literally stuff like related to that. I don't remember. Did the like was it pro, the clan? Whatever kind of group were on campus. I don't want to miss. You remember what I'm talking about with the college basketball players? Yeah, uh, yeah. Kneeling last year. It, I mean, if it wasn't, you know, it probably wouldn't be any different than then. No. Sure. The I mean, way that it was more, received. Yeah. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at uh, supertalk.fm. We'll get to uh, we'll get to some Major League Baseball conversation. They didn't make much progress over the weekend. We will return with you on this Monday. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. From the Athletic Major League Baseball Players Association on Sunday proposed that the 2020 season consist of 114 games starting on June 30th and running through Halloween, Saturday, October 31st, without players taking any additional pay cuts. The union did not give ground on player salaries except to offer up $100 million in deferrals if the postseason is canceled or shortened That's according to a source. The union also offered to endorse an expanded playoff system for this year and next, viewing it as a win for both fans and teams in addition to players. Major League Baseball did not immediately return a request for comment to the athletic league's position at this point is that owners would lose more money by playing than not unless players take a further pay cut. And, Rippy, we've talked a lot of about a lot of different options on on this thing. 82 games is what the owners were proposing, and based on what was signed back in March or what was agreed to in March, 
the player's salary would be prorated based on the number of games they played. And so if they play 114 games, which they propose here, versus the 82 games that the owners were proposing, you're talking about, what, 32 or so additional games, and well, it's really therefore more money for the players. Well, and it's the owners losing more money. The more games they play this year, the more money they're going to lose. So that's the predominant reason why this is going to get rejected. But at least there's a counteroffer, because as of Friday, they weren't even going to warrant one. So I don't know. They're a long way apart with not much time, but... We'll see if they ever actually look in the long-term view of things as opposed to just this year and see if they get a deal done. they got about a week. So the counterproposal that came from the, uh, the Players Union, which was five days after the league made its most recent offer, includes some provisions that might provide groundwork for further, further discussions. Here are some of those provisions. Players might have the right to opt out of playing this season if they choose. The union's proposal says any players who are deemed high-risk or who live with someone high-risk can opt out and receive both service time and pay. All others can opt out as well, but would only receive service time, not pay. So if you are either a high-risk player or live with someone who is high-risk and you choose not to play, you would still be paid and get service time, which counts toward gets you closer to free agency. If you just say, I don't feel good about playing, well, you can opt out and you'll get the service time that you would have gotten, but you don't get paid for it. Um, The union's proposal calls for an increase of 32 regular season games from the 82-game schedule that MLB suggested. Players want to play as many games as possible because they are to be paid on a prorated per-game basis, as we said just in a second ago. They're willing to play double headers to reach their proposed number of games. Players would also agree to provide a baseline number of commitments to broadcast enhancements, so possibly making it a little more valuable for television, including in-game microphone usage and special programming away from the ballpark. Plus, you could have an off-season home run derby and an off-season all-star game. But still... Player pay is is and is going to continue to be the most contentious issue going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's what kind of the number of games thing boils down to as well as you alluded to earlier. So will they let money ruin this whole thing or will they have a long-term view? It's really kind of what it comes down to. You know, here's what I don't understand. We got the uh, we got the reporting from Jeff Passan last week about there being a group of owners that they're just like yeah whatever don't play it's okay, and Buster Olney has a separate report and a story from Buster Olney where he says sources say there is a group of owners perfectly willing to shut down the season, to slash payroll costs and reduce losses, and the disparate views among the thirty teams have been reflected in the decisions to fire and furlough. Um, I don't understand how the owners could really be okay with this idea. Because not playing this year is going to hurt baseball. It's going to hurt its popularity. It's going to hurt its fan support. We've talked about the fact that after next year, they've got a new collective bargaining agreement that's got to be put into place. There is a scenario where you could see not just this year, but maybe next year, 
games not being played? And wouldn't that cause the value of these franchises that, for most people, are a, a significant asset to plummet? That feels like a pretty myopic view from the owners. And, and I, I, I don't understand that. If, if you guys have a better understanding of that, I am all ears. I don't quite get it either. I, the only thing I can think of is, uh, it's really just more of a question than anything else. Do you think that part of it is, it is a group of people that don't really understand the sport they invested in? Not that they don't understand what a ball and a strike is, but more so like what will drive it and what will happen if they don't play? That maybe they are just sitting here and purely looking at it from a business perspective. That why would I want to lose money when I can lose less money and we can just start up next year without really understanding how like sports and sports fandom and like what will come after because they're business-minded people who aren't really emotionally invested in their financial investment? That's the only question that I can come up with that would semi-rationalize this kind of thinking, is that they just don't really know or understand what this is going to do to sports fans and baseball fans as a result. I find that hard to believe. I, I do too. It's just the only so, thing I can somebody come up with. No, it's just a the, lack of motivation. The Even if this to, thing tanks, you're going to go bankrupt with this ridiculously valuable asset, even if it's being devalued. So, like, what do they have to lose? They're going to be rich either way. What were you saying, hey, Dev? Well, I was going to say that somebody in the the front office has to have that perspective, right? There has to be one fan of the team working in the front office that could say, hey, guys, this will destroy our sport if we if we do this again. We we nearly did it, you know, 25 years ago. If we do it again, especially right now, I mean, 1994, what was going on? Nothing. OJ, that was a big story. Hmm. With everything that's going on right now, and you're gonna tell me, oh, no, we're not gonna play baseball because we can't because the millionaires and the billionaires can't come to an agreement. It's gonna be a tough road back. I don't think that's lost on them at all because they're billionaires and presumably sports fans because they bought a billion-dollar baseball team. They've just been so used to the players and, to some extent, the fans continuing to bail them out that they're going to hold out until that happens again because, at the end of the day, they hold all the leverage. What do you think about this? A texter says the owners are trying to break the union. I'm not sure that this is a union that's breakable. I get the sentiment. And and, and I they don't do have it's... a CBA uh, battle upcoming next year, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Somebody says, "Where is hand raised guy in this?" That's one thing that we were talking about last week. What what would hand, what should hand raised guy say though if he raises his hand? Agree to what you agreed upon before, put a product on the field, and get over it, save your sport. But that's the thing, is what they agreed upon before was to revisit it if there were no fans in the stands. Yeah, that was a mistake by the players, I guess, or, or somebody involved to, to put that provision in there because now they've they've reached a stalemate. But I think hand raise guys should say, um, Find a way, because as one of you alluded to, now, especially now, considering everything that's going on with the global pandemic and now what happened this past weekend, I saw a column in Yahoo that alluded to the fact that this weekend shows you that you need to figure it out because nobody 
will have patience for, oh, well, the millionaires and the billionaires just couldn't come to financial terms. Like, forget you then. Especially when other sports are going to come back. Yeah. The NBA will be back soon. The NFL is going to kick off in two months. If we go a year without baseball, people are going to realize how that much they don't really need baseball in their life. PJ Tours back in two weeks. I mean, Major League yeah. Soccer, everybody else is finding a way except for you. And with all of the stuff going on around baseball, not putting it on is just going to be so detrimental. I think it, it, that's where Henry's guy needs to be is both of you need to sacrifice something because if you don't put a product on the field, you can kiss our sport and what we know about it right now goodbye, at least temporarily. Tony and Laurel says the owners know they have the bulk of the bargaining power here. If they don't play, the players will carry the blame as spoiled brats. If they don't give America live sports when they can, the players lose the battle of public perception. That's true. It's the players who will take will, will take a very public black eye if this doesn't happen. Maybe they'll get there. And here's the thing. When they do get there, nobody's going to care outside of the players and the owners what the agreement was. Just be glad they had an agreement. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back. I was just reading through the Twitter beef over the weekend from uh, Dan Wolken and Matt Scalisi and Barrett Salee and Clay Travis and whatnot. The best part of this thing... I mean, the, the, it's only a two. I don't care about all the other stuff. The two tweet interaction where Dan Wolken says to Barrett Salee, continuing to question my motives is a professional line you don't want to cross. And Barrett Salee responds with, I'm cool with it. <laughs> what is that? It's almost like his entire identity is wrapped up in being a Gannett columnist. What does that first one mean? What, what do you mean by that? That's a professional line you don't want to cross. Or you're going to call CBS and get Barrett fired? What are you going to do about it? Doesn't mean anything. I know you are, but what am I? I, Seriously. I mean, and my goodness. So I actually read that story. I, I was interested in the topic, believe it or not, with. College football players coming back, and I saw some images uh, from Ole Miss today, players walking up in masks and getting tests. It looked like, maybe I'm wrong, just it looked like they were testing everybody for whatever that's worth. I know that wasn't required. Maybe that's wrong. That's what it looked like. Uh, but I'll tell you exactly what's happening, what, what the process is going to be at Ole Miss. But, but go ahead. Oh, just The premise was, are the, the, the bigger offensive linemen and defensive linemen more susceptible because of their weight? Because we have learned that underlying health conditions, including being overweight, is, it leads to coronavirus being harder on you. But What? The, the, premise, oh, no. <laughs> the premise of that article, it like called the, uh, college offensive linemen obese. And, and it's like, man, no, they're not. Like They may have a height and weight that on the BMI scale says they're obese, but physically look at them and tell me those are, are obese and unhealthy people. Like, so... But I still read it because I figured maybe there's something to it. And every expert in the story was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the whole premise. And, but but and, that was fine with Dan Wolk, and he wrote it anyway. Yeah, of course. Every single one of them was like, no, I, I mean, I don't know. On the BMI scale, LeBron James is obese. Yes! See, like LeBron James, one of the most finely tuned athletic machines in the world, is obese. 
The lead to the story was our offensive linemen at greater risk of COVID-19 complications because of their size. <laughs> Which is a reasonable question. The question is reasonable. But once the research pans out that, yeah, not really, that's when you go, oh, well, guess I was wrong. And you don't write well, the article. The, 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 the lead wasn't good enough because Wolken had to follow it up with a tweet that said, Column, many offensive linemen fit the CDC's definition of severely obese. I mean, that's the point where we, you just stop using your brain. We prefer to be called festively plump. Jeez. I, just, especially now, more than ever, like, look at an, a, a major college's left tackle. Look, physically look at that person. They are in better shape. I mean, I'm, I'm 6'2", 220. Um, they would run circles around me as I struggled to run a mile. I mean, these dudes are finely tuned, like, quality healthy athletes like yeah they could probably lose a, a little weight because they're not working out as much but they are in they're very healthy and in very good shape compared to most people just the premise that's i tried to read it because i thought it might be interesting but when all of the experts tell you they don't know and there's no way to know maybe just don't pin it but what do i know yeah no i'm i'm with you on uh, on that front and uh, Clay Travis, for what it's worth, pointed out that regardless of your weight, if you're under 24 years old, you are more likely to be struck by lightning than to die of coronavirus. Okay. So statistical analysis there. Uh, do you know why? I mean, Clay Travis was – he was flaming – I'm sorry, not Clay Travis, Dan Wolken. <laughs> Mix those two guys up. That's kind of funny. <laughs> That's like mixing me and you up, man. Yeah. Uh, Dan Wolken a couple of weeks ago was all hot and bothered because schools weren't going to be testing, you know, over and over and over and over. Do you know why schools are not going to be testing over and over and over and over? Anybody care to hazard a guess? It's expensive. Cop. Yep. Bingo. Ding 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 ding. It costs too much money. Richard, do you have actual numbers to back that up? I do, as a matter of fact. Ole Miss will bring 400 student-athletes back onto campus over the next couple of weeks. Every single one of them will go through a two-phase testing process. One is the nasal swab test, which nobody's excited about. The other is the antibody test. And in some scenarios, the antibody test is a three-phased test. Anybody care to take a guess what a single test costs? $125. Grand, $185. It's close. I thought it'd be more. And you can't right now use the, oh, these are all rich athletic departments. Not right now, they're not. So maybe just the baseline cost of the test is expensive. It was told to me that running all 400 student athletes at Ole Miss through the initial testing process that they are going through will cost $90,000. Wow. And you got people that want this being done every two days throughout fall camp. Shut up. You, you, you live in la-la land where money grows on trees. That's not how it works. Plus, the CD says you don't need to do it. Got some breaking news from Brett McMurphy. Right. Ole Miss football players can begin voluntary workouts on campus June 8th. 
What? What does that tweet have to? Did, did it? Was there something before that? No, that appears to be no. standalone. He uh, before that he said Virginia Tech will allow football players on campus this week for voluntary workouts, and then before that, uh, the sad news about Justin Ross. I mean, probably going to be yeah, a top ten awful. pick in this upcoming draft, one of, if not the best receiver in college football, is out for at least the season with a spinal surgery. They found a condition that he's always had, uh, but a separate injury led him to get an x-ray, and they found it, and now he's got to get surgery. So apropos of nothing, Brett McMurphy lets you know that Ole Miss football can start doing voluntary workouts on June 8th, which is somewhat similar to all 13 other schools in the SEC after the SEC enacted the legislation last week that said uh, all schools could return to voluntary workouts on June 8th. Right? Right. Sometimes you just need a reminder. Anyone? (laughs) Borky just dropped a breaking bomb on Brett McMurphy. (laughs) Well played. Well played. All right, it's Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. We are glad to be with you. Uh, I, I just popped Sports Center on at the uh, urging of Michael Borky because Jeff Passan tweeted just a moment ago turn on Sports Center for breaking news with Carl Ravage. I've not seen breaking news, I've not seen anything baseball related, and I've not yet seen Carl Ravage's face. So if something happens in the next bit, we will uh, give that to you. What, what could the breaking news be? All of a sudden, they've reached a deal? It, it's either they reached a deal or negotiations have hit a wall. There can't be anything that's breaking in between. Just shutting it down? <laughs> it's over. Literally taking our balls and going home. Oh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. At C Spire... They're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day. Now more than ever, Mississippi needs to stay connected. And C Spire is working to make that happen, from offering free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. They're even partnering with UMMC to turn the C Spire Health app into a free virtual triage center for anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. It is Monday. It is just after 4 o'clock, and that means it is time for Winners and Losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We're All right, what did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? We will, in a very on-brand moment, go with stick to sports. Can we be okay with that for, for this particular little exercise? No, because my winner is not sports-related whatsoever. If you can find well, a winner that's not sports-related, I want to hear it. Uh, Elon Musk, SpaceX, NASA, that was incredible on Saturday. Leaving on a jet plane. How cool is that? See, 
I don't remember many space launches because they all happened when I was a kid. You guys, you're older, so you may remember it more vividly than me. But um, did you watch it live? Oh, yeah, I did. And it was real, that, right after that is when uh, friends came over and we kind of shut it down for the day. But we made sure to watch that first. And I, I just remember, like, the other, the older launches. Like, after the, the countdown would end and they would start, you know, the launch, it would take a few seconds for, like, the engines to fire and, like, force the rocket up. This thing just... Like that. Like, it, three, two, one, blast off, and that thing was up in the air. I mean, it went so much faster than I remember them going, like, immediately. But I had the TV on as we were cleaning the house and stuff all morning. Uh, Hulu had, like, a special NASA channel. So every broadcaster, and it was really well done, every person on the broadcast was a NASA scientist or worked for SpaceX. So it wasn't just like some random news guy rambling about talking points that was handed to him that morning. These were people that like knew exactly what was going on, what everything meant. I felt like I was in the coolest science class of my life for a few hours before that rocket went off. I did not watch it live, but it was really, really cool. Really cool. All right, so Borky leads us off with winners and losers. Oh, here we go. Uh, Breaking news. Major League Baseball intends to propose a shorter season in which they would pay players a full prorated share of their salaries. This is Jeff Passan. The league believes the late March agreement allows it to set the schedule and that it would fulfill the players' prorated desire. It's done. Baseball's coming back. He didn't say that. I added that, but... Yeah, I was going to say, let's uh, tap the brakes there at the end just for a second. But if they're offering the full prorated salary, what can the players disagree with? Well, the number of games. Right? Like, yes, we will pay you the full prorated salary, but it's only going to be for the 82 games which is 30 games fewer than you wanted to play. I mean, hey, Rippy, wouldn't that be the sticking point here? Yeah, but I don't think it's anything that they would... I mean, I would think they would accept this offer. Even if they don't accept this offer, I would think the counter offer would... They're, they're close enough now that they're going to get to a... Uh, they're going to get to an end game. Yeah, maybe. I don't think there's going to be much more budging. I would take this and run. The You want to talk about PR battle? If the owners offer an 82-game season at a full prorated salary amount and the players say no, it's a disaster. Yeah, they no, would you're have right. effectively sh- shifted the blame to the players. And, and, and the players would, in my opinion, at that point, would be in the wrong. Mm, let's see. So right now they're at basically 50% of their salaries if they get the full prorated salary. But they're only playing half a season. Yep. Half the pay so for if half you were the set season. To make, yeah, if you were set to make league minimum $535,000, you are going to make two sixty-five this year. If you're Mike Trout and you were set to make $37 million, you're going to make $18.5 million. <laughs> Carry the one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was doing the math on the uh, on the fly there. I wasn't even there. looking at the screen, but I could, I could see your face, like the eyebrow up, trying to do something. Yeah, eighteen times two is thirty six. Another, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, there we go. Eight, eighteen and a half. Eighteen and a half. Um, so uh, that's pretty good money. And it feels like that gets you a whole lot closer. I agree. So, so I mean, what would 
it feels like major league like the owners just gave a lot like they put out an initial proposal that was preposterous the players response was preposterous neither side was going to agree and now the owner said all right here's what we'll do if, if I'm the players I spend this as a win we stood them down I don't think their counter was preposterous either the players counter no it just wasn't gonna happen they wanted full prorated salary and they wanted uh 30 percent more games than the owners had agreed to play so maybe they got the maybe they got thing, things moving in the right direction do you think this settles on 82 games or do you think maybe they go to 90 just so there's a nice round number who knows yeah that makes we'll sense see. Very possible. Uh, hey, Dad, give me a winner from the weekend. It's not from the weekend. This this happened, I think, the day I was out last week. Uh, but the Premier League is coming back. And for me, I guess that makes me a winner because I'm the, the one fan on the show here. Uh, but that's exciting news because that's the, the first sporting event that I truly care about making its way back. Looks like it's going to start uh, June 17th. They could decide the champion the first weekend. Liverpool is in a position where if they if Manchester City lose on their opening day and Liverpool wins, they would be the champions of, of the league and sort of playing just for champion Champions League spots the rest of the way. Uh, but, man, I am really, really excited to have something that I, I actually want to cheer for uh, back in my life. There you go. Everybody's coming back. Syria is so, coming back in, where's that, in Italy? Italy. And Bundesliga is already back in Germany. KBO is rolling along in South Korea. Um, and maybe, maybe Major League Baseball is going to be back in a month. Then the NFL will start. College football will start. Not in that order. College football will start before the NFL. <sighs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there, but... Gracious, it's taken a while. Any word on whether or not we're going to have SEC media days in Atlanta this year? Would Dan Wolken attend if it happened? Kind of doubt that's happening now. Yeah, it's not. I don't think. I don't think he'll be there. Sports Talk Mississippi will continue with winners and losers after this. Hey, with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Let me read you Jeff Passan's two tweets in their entirety. Major League Baseball intends to propose a shorter season in which they would pay players a full prorated share of their salaries, sources told ESPN. The league believes the late March agreement allows it to set the schedule and that this would fulfill players' prorated desire. The potential season Major League Baseball envisions would run somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 regular season games. The exact number is being considered, but the aim would be to return in July. It would be less than half of players' proposed season length. You're talking about 31% of 162-game regular season, and so 31% of paychecks going into the year. Does the number of games change the equation for you at all with the players should accept this and run and do a ditty? I think they should try to counter maybe with 82, but this should not this should not stop them from playing. If they don't accept this as the minimum 
uh, it's a failure and they should they should then bear the brunt of the criticism. I wouldn't stop at 50. I wouldn't just sign off on it if I were them. I would try to get the, the 82 games, but if they... If Which the player's number was 114. Right, and th- that's The owner's original proposal was 82. Now the owners are saying, we'll pay you the full pro rata, but we're only going to play 50 games. It's good negotiating. You may have, yeah, Rippy, you may have better insight on this. If they only play a 50-game regular season... You've got to expand the playoffs, don't you? Yeah, you would think. Because, I mean, 50 shorter than a college baseball season. That's going to look kind of weird. I wonder what number they actually settle on. But, yeah, I would think they go to 14 teams potentially for the playoffs. Who knows? It's an even-numbered year. Giants are going to take it. Just like they did in 2018? That was, that was the, uh, that was, uh, you know, a glitch in the Matrix. 2016 was the last title? No, they, they lost in twenty. 14. They lost in the NLDS in 2016. But still, just just another glitch in the matrix. It you know, MLB was just they finally had to let the Cubs win one. I got you. Um, this is fascinating. That's uh, that's pretty pretty cool. All right, let's return to winners and losers. So, Borky's winner was Elon Musk and SpaceX Dragon. Hey Dad's winner was uh, the return of the EPL. Because so I think, he can't Rippy, wait did you have a question for Manchester United? How dare you? Uh, Rippy, did you have a question? No, I saw the 50 game note. Okay. Are you concerned at all to be cheering for a team that is. Owned by a Russian oligarch? I, I, it's part of the ambiance, to be I totally honest with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Roman Abramovich I mean, being your uh, your owner, is you're good with I, that? I, I have no problem with it. Is, he's not even allowed in the stadiums anymore, though, is he? He's not allowed in the country right now, but who cares? Well, that's, kind, that's kind of the point. Yeah. I saw Switzerland shut him down the other day, too. It's fine. He's a bit of a his man money, without a country these days, but he's got $14 billion to uh His money still with. spends. I promise you that. Yep. Uh, Rippy, how about a winner? I guess baseball for making progress, even though they didn't count from the weekend, but I really didn't have any others. Wasn't a whole lot going on, like from a sports perspective. From yeah. a winning perspective, either. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Um... Uh, Things are getting tough for the Doosan Bears, man. It took one on the chin from the uh, Latte Giants. Woo! Jeez. Although Doosan is in third place in the KBO, sitting at 23 and... I'm sorry, sitting at 14 and 9 through 23 games. How about the Dinos? Why did nobody pick the Dinos? Cool mascot and whatnot. 18 and 5. Nobody picked the LG Twins. They're 16 and 7. In terms of the teams that we picked, Doosan at 14-9. and nine. Kai Woom, the Heroes. Rippy, was that your team? I don't remember. They're 12-12. 12 and 12. It was. Hey, Dad's uh, Lati Giants are uh, one game below 500 at 11-12. And, and Borky, 
You pick KBO teams about as well as you pick big league teams. The Hanwha Eagles are 7-17. Seven and 17. Wait, 10 I, games below 500. I thought the Brewers were good. Yeah, just not the year you picked them. <laughs> Naturally. Five straight losses for Hanwha, at least on the uh, last five results sheet I'm looking at. it Maybe more than that. Uh, all right, I got a loser for you. Henry Ruggs. You guys seen this story? I saw that he's injured, but I don't know any more than that. What does he do? He he was nearly dead, or could have been. He was helping a friend move, like items off of a trailer. Here's the quote from his dad. He was trying to move a trailer or something, move furniture or something, and the trailer just kind of pinned him against a car or a wall or something. Sounds like the trailer got away and it pierced his thigh. Oh, God. And it just missed the main artery that runs through his leg, which, if it had clipped that, could have been fatal. What's the lesson in this? Freak accident. What's the lesson in this? Never help anybody move. It's the worst thing. Or pay some, I was going to say, pay someone to move. Yeah, you're you're, you're Henry Ruggs. Hire a couple guys. His dad, uh, Ruggs Jr., said he hasn't... Uh, his dad said Henry Ruggs III had not yet spoken to a doctor, but that his son, who started at Alabama, feels okay. Quote, with this COVID-19 stuff still going on, they wouldn't let anybody in. He's just having to walk on crutches, not putting as much pressure on it. Yeesh. So his thigh was pierced or punctured by a trailer. Gross. And trailer accidents are no joke. I almost lost a thumb with a trailer accident. In fact, I've still got kind of a funky thumbnail as a result. Um, back in my grass cutting days, I uh, was getting a lawnmower off a trailer, had a guy with me that was working, and I was like, all right, go ahead and back it off. And for whatever reason, I had already popped the uh, the clip where the, the hitch connects to the ball in the truck. I had already loosened it and so when he backed it off it caused the tongue of the trailer to buck up with my hand right there and then it came back down and I was literally about half an inch from my thumb being severed by that trailer as it came down all right hey dad you want to know where the story gets weird or funny? oh it gets worse go right ahead sure well I didn't lose my thumb it's bleeding fairly profusely I wrap it up in a I don't know a t-shirt or towel or something I've got in the truck and run to the nearest gas station so that I can buy a first aid kit so that I can, you know, wrap it with a bandage, put a Band-Aid on it, figure it out later. Sure. No first aid kits at said gas station. And so I bought uh, a package of sanitary napkins and a roll of duct tape. Wrapped my thumb uh. with sanitary napkins, duct taped it up, <laughs> and uh, got back to uh, uh. mowing grass. Cut grass for another couple of hours, decided that... Uh, it's probably time to uh, drive from Clarksdale back to Oxford. Went and saw the doctor. The what? The, the most pain out of any of it was when they yeah you know, they had to remove the thumbnail or whatever, but they had to deaden it first. When they start sticking a shot needle in the end tip of a finger and then That's sliding so it underneath the nail. Ah! 
That is that's a different level of pain right there. None of that sounds exciting. No. And my, my thumbnail's still kind of funny looking as a result. That was I've never noticed it now. The next time I see ago. you, I'm going to be like... I'll, I'll show it to you. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll show it to you next time uh, I see you. Uh, Frank B. Any other losers? Here. Borky, you got a um, loser? Preemptively, the Dallas Mavericks sound like they're going to be a loser, so there's going to be an announcement this week about what the NBA has decided on as far as a, a restart to play, and it it feels like the group stage, while accepted by most, is probably not going to be it. It sounds like it's going to be 22 teams with some kind of play-in style tournament, likely involving the seven and eight seeds, and then a few teams outside of the playoffs. The Mavericks are closer to the two seed than they are the eight, and they're going to have to play in a play-in tournament to, to make the playoffs. doesn't seem fair. It isn't fair. They're going to get kind of screwed if that's the route they take. So a preemptive loser uh, and that's the Mavericks having to play their way into the playoffs when, again, they're closer to the two than they are the eight. Yeah. I thought you were just going to say you, you were going to say that Mark Cuban didn't like the uh, group stage thing and that was your idea. That no, you he likes it, actually. So. He's, he's shockingly open to anything, at least publicly, uh, which is surprising considering the position his team's in. Uh, we will get to some of your text messages for the winners and losers. I kind of derailed that with my thumb story, of which uh, several of you said, stop, please. Somebody even said it gave them the heebie-jeebies. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, some of your text messages for winners and losers on this Monday. Uh, let's see here. This would be a loser, I think. Minor league. Yeah, it's going to be tough for minor league baseball. Tim and McGee says, Winter Sports Talk for keeping this show interesting and funny with no sports. Thanks. Tim, appreciate that very much. Uh, Winner, Brad Keselowski for that Bristol win. Loser, Chase Elliott for being so close again. Winner, commercial window glass makers and window installers. Yeah, okay. Uh, winner, Chase Elliott for putting Joey Logano in the wall. Didn't Chase Elliott win something last week also? Maybe it was a truck race. He won Chris something. and Greenville says loser. Gary talking about say, it. say again? He won something. He won something, I think. Cause Gary, I remember Gary talking about it. Well, he was close. And he's been close a couple of times. I think he won a truck race last week. I think that's since the last time we talked with Gary. Maybe you're right, though. It's time to get Gary on. Borky, should we do that today or tomorrow? We'll do that tomorrow. Very good. Uh, Chris in Greenville says, loser college football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's one of the things that was... Uh, well, from the videos and the images that I saw, I don't know if you guys have been to the College Football Hall of Fame or not, but the... Yeah, you've all been there, haven't you? Well, at Media Day, it's yep. there a couple years ago, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there is a college football Hall of Fame store or shop that is kind of at street level, big glass front, facing out. I'm not sure what street that is. It runs right there beside it. The College Football Hall of Fame itself is kind of recessed behind that. 
I don't know if people got in and did damage to any, you know, the majority of the exhibits are upstairs. Downstairs, you've got the big football field, and you've got the big helmet display and all of that. But the majority of the exhibits are up on the second and maybe even third floor. Maybe it's just second floor. Anyway, um, so hopefully the damage to the College Football Hall of Fame itself uh, was either minimal or non-existent, but that store was glass broken, vandalized, looted, and whatnot. We get several uh, police stops with regard to my story. Um, I was thinking it. <laughs> Here's one. Loser. Ole Miss for getting excited and bragging all week, thinking they were going to get two former state players, and now they get zero. I don't know if Ole Miss themselves were bragging, fans maybe, but I don't, I don't know if the institution acknowledged it. Is there a, a secondary loser that goes along with that? Well, I mean, State would have been last week on the losers. They were going either way. I, I said it uh, on Rippy and I's podcast this morning. It, it's very typical Egg Bowl, right? Two very talented, quality football players left the state, and so everybody loses. Yeah. Uh, loser, myself. This is Carter. He says, I bought two pounds of fresh shrimp this weekend and forgot to peel the shrimp before grilling them. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Yeah. It would, do you even try to salvage it at that point, or do you just say, you know what, we'll try again next time? Uh, they would still be cooked if you grill them on the inside, right? It is heat. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. You peel steamed shrimp or boiled shrimp. Why? I mean, I guess you could peel the grilled ones too, right? You know what I just started thinking about? Hey, Dad, you'll appreciate this. Mr. B's in New Orleans. Oh, so good. Oh, could you go for some of those barbecue shrimp right about now? Wow. Absolutely. Give me that and mm. half loaf of bread for the sauce. And I would say that bread? Good. Oh, Yes. Borky, have you ever had that, the barbecue shrimp at Mr. B's? I have never been to Mr. B's before. Man, you need to go to Mr. B's. It is Would encourage fantastic. you to... Uh... Do you like the gumbo they did? At Mr. B's? It's all right. Yeah, the, the yaya? Yeah, it's okay. It's not a huge quick runner-up for, for barbecue shrimp. If you're in Baton Rouge, go to Pa Rain's. Fantastic. Okay. Rippy, have you done Mr. B's? I don't think so, no. So messy. Always sit at the bar, never sit at the table. And get it just 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 put a napkin around you like a bib. Just 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 embrace it. Just own it. Own it. Yeah. There's no way you're not getting any on your shirt if you don't. Uh so question on the ceasefire text line. Where did the two players, the two former we're talking about Jerry and Jones and uh, Fabian Lovett, uh both headed to Florida State? Supposedly. <laughs> Never know these days. <laughs> You're not convinced? Hey, man, let me, well, let me see him in uniform on opening day. And then I'll buy into everything. Don't they go to Boise this year? That sounds right. No, I don't know if that's opening they weekend, but they, they do go there, yeah. After hosting, excuse me, after hosting Boise State last year, yes, they do. Wow, so their and, schedule is interesting. They open. I don't know if this is at West Virginia or a neutral site, but they open, the schedule says, at West Virginia on Google, Samford, and then they go to Boise. 
Could be one and two. Their their first part of their schedule is tough, man. So they have West Virginia, Samford, whatever. They go to Boise, go to NC State, perpetual bowl team, host Clemson, and then host Wake Forest without Jamie Newman, but still been very good uh, under Dave Clawson. And then they go to Louisville. What a brutal start. Speaking of losers, you just mentioned Jamie Newman, that guy. Going to Georgia, going to be the quarterback of one of the top teams in the country. Well, maybe not. Wait, you don't think he's going to hold on to that job? I don't know. I think he's got a, a battle on his hands that he wasn't prepared for, though, or wasn't preparing for, I should say. I guess that was the day you were out last week. We talked a little bit about it was, that. Yeah. But, yeah. But Borky was pretty confident that Jamie Newman holds on to the job. JT Daniels. Well, he may not get um, eligibility. That, that's even a bigger thing. And, and he might not, but if he does, that's going to be a, an interesting battle. Because to me, Daniels is more. I mean, we already saw who who won out at Georgia between Fromm and, and Fields. I mean, I, I I tend to think that that Daniels is a little bit more of the uh, the Kirby Smart type, the more pro style kind of guy. Yeah, I think Borky's gone back and watched some old uh, Wake Forest game film and is fully convinced that uh, Jamie Newman is it. I am all in on Jamie Newman. It started with watching them play NC State. And then from there, I just kind of made it a point to to watch Wake Forest games. I'm still not mystified. This is probably too strong. But I don't know why Dave Clawson doesn't get more looks uh, during coaching carousel season. So you think that, th- that Georgia could be in line to win its first national title since 1980? It's good let, me, year. let me carry the math here. That's 40 years ago, right? Yes, that is. That is. Dang so, it, I, didn't wish, I, I wish that wasn't 40 years ago, Borky. Uh, so let me also do some math here. Some of the players I, I, that George already, is recruiting right now's parents were being born when this happened in some cases, right? Yeah, that, that's mathematically applicable. Can we stop talking about how long ago 1980 was? I know, right? When he said that and it hit me, I was like, crap. Yeah, sorry. Hey, Dad, I'm already well aware of that one, considering that uh, I have a birthday coming up this year. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have one, too. I I have a birthday coming up this year, too. I think we all do. Probably everybody in the world, to be honest. Yes, but not all of us are turning 40 this year. No. No. What'd you do to celebrate your 40th birthday, hey, Dad? What year would that have been? It was so long ago. <laughs> Stop. Um, nothing special. That was, uh, eh, nothing special. Okay. Just happy to be alive. I heard that. What are you going to do to celebrate your 40th birthday this year? Uh, get 40's ready for a big my son's deal, right? Birthday 40, is the next 40th day. birthday, uh, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. They, yeah. they say that they say that it is, yeah. Uh, uh, Obi's birthday is one day after mine, and so hopefully it will. Well, be that's cool. Just kind of push to the uh, back burner, so that we can get on to celebrating his eighth birthday instead. No, I don't know. Cake. I don't know. Um, I don't want to do like the big. Oh, he's having a big 40th birthday party thing, though. That's not really my jam. I mean, obviously, if that's what my wife decides we're going to do, then I will be grateful and have fun and all that good stuff. But I'd rather, like, go on a trip with her somewhere. Go to dinner with some friends. 
I don't know. Play bingo. <laughs> oh man and scene I've got no response to that like there were several little ones that uh, popped through my head and I have zero response for that was pretty good retort by a 7th grader Sports Talk Mississippi we'll be right back <laughs> yeah. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. I'm mad at Michael Borky, and I have a buddy that texted me that he's mad at you as well, but it's through me. Apparently, Borky, I yawned a minute ago on the air. I don't know that I've ever done that before. I'm sure I have somewhere along the way. But it was like an audible, and I was like, oh, excuse me, sorry. You're doing it again! Stop it! Like, I'm looking at you right now, and you're yawning. They're contagious. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know why, but if somebody yawns and you're looking at them, it's going to make you yawn. Well, apparently they're audibly contagious as well because a buddy of mine just texted me. He's like, come on, man, you're killing me. I heard you yawn on the air. Now I can't quit yawning. I just looked up and Borky was yawning again. (laughs) It's like this vicious cycle. What's the science behind that? Somebody help me understand. Dr. Rippy? He's too busy playing Candy Crush to know what's going on. I don't know what Candy Crush is, but uh, maybe just don't yawn. The doctor. What's the science behind when you see somebody yawn and it makes you yawn? I don't know. But it, it happens. It's a real thing, though. It is. So, a couple of things... And it's kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. So there was a guy from Newsweek that covers Major League Baseball. He goes, so yesterday with their proposal, the Major League Baseball Players Association opened the idea of deferrals. Today you get the response from the owners. They're opening the idea of a prorated salary. Sounds like we meet in the middle somewhere with a few more games than the owners want with a combination of prorated salaries and deferrals. Which basically means we'll pay you the rest of, you know, so we, we may set aside 100 or 150 or $200 million that we don't have to pay right now, and you'll get paid that next year or the year after that or over the course of a couple of years. Here's what Jason Stark says. Uh, who's he with now? Used to be with ESPN. I don't even know who the athletic. Uh, he, yeah, he writes for the athletic now. Jason Stark says this: If MLB proposes a 50-game season or shorter season of any length, here is the message that sends: We have X dollars we can allocate to paying players in 2020 if there are no fans. It's the players' call if they want to earn that over 50 games, 82 games, or more. Which, okay, they're basically saying no fans in the stands, we can afford to pay 30% of contracted salaries in 2020. We'll pay you 30% over 50 games. We'll pay you 30% over 82 games. We'll pay you 30% over 114 games. You, you can decide on that, but 30% is the number. 31%. 
You buy into that? Or do you think there's a little more compromise? There's got to be some wiggle room, doesn't there? Just just a little bit. You would think. Yeah. I mean, the middle um, point is 82, between 50 and 114. Yeah. But there's got to be more money. Right. Because if you, if you pay 82, you're paying 50% of salaries instead of, 31, instead of 31% of salaries. So maybe they split the difference between 50 and 82 and play 65, 66, 67 games, somewhere in there. I don't know, but it what wasn't today wasn't that the salvo that everybody needed to go, okay, they're going to get it done. So far all we've had is wild proposal, slightly less wild proposal, but proposal that we know not's gonna be approved or we know isn't going to be approved, and now we got something that's serious that everybody can go, Oh, okay, we can we can get to a meeting point on this. So, Borky, your poll question today, have you posted it or is it just... I posted it before this news broke, so I bet the results would change uh, considering that. But how confident are you that Major League Baseball will play a 2020 season extremely 50-50 or not at all? Extremely is 13%, 50-50 is 51%, not at all is 36%. Hmm. I'm very... Especially now. I was probably, I was probably 50-50 when, earlier today. But probably leaned more on the side of it. What did you say the breakdown of the percentages was again? It is uh, 12.8, 50.6, 36.5. Hmm. So over a third of the people saying not at all. That was earlier, though, before this broke. Yeah. Two hours in the books. College Football Fix is coming your way next. It's Sports Talk on a Monday. New week. A little of excitement. A little, little bit of stuff happening all of a sudden. And more coming over the next few weeks. We'll be right back. This is going to have to make it into the movie night rotation. With the whole uh, speakers in the front yard outdoor screen thing. There's going to be a Top Gun movie night. Hey, Dad, you might even make a road trip to Oxford for that, huh? I'll pick up some wings. Beautiful. Why don't you cook some of those burnt ends you did this weekend and bring them? Well, now that's a lot of effort. That's four hours of cooking before I get on the road. Eh, you only work three hours a day. What's the big deal? Hey, I do a podcast. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. On this Monday, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We're glad to have you along. Got the college football fix coming up. Uh, just a second, though, I'll first tell you Carl Ravitch uh, was just on SportsCenter. He was doing a, an interview with Sage Steele, and Sage was kind of taking him down the road of it really doesn't feel like they're that close right now. And Carl Ravitch said, Oh, no, I disagree with you. Major League Baseball, with this proposal today, is loud and clear in blinking lights saying there will be a season. Now, there's still a little bit of negotiating to do as to what that season is going to look like. 
Uh, the graphic that they put on the screen said between 50 and 60 games. Uh, Carl Ravitch said that it's possible that they play more games than that, but if the players really want to play 80 or 90 games or whatever the number is, then that's where they're going to have to make some concessions on the salary. That, like, okay, if you really want to play 80 or 90 games, then you're going to have to back off a little bit on the full prorated salary and maybe make it a percentage prorated salary. But that will be your choice because we are willing to prorate your salaries. And going back to that March 26th agreement that they had in place, the owners, in paying the full prorated salaries, have the right to set the number of games. So it now seems like the owners have said, yes, we'll pay the full prorated salary, but we get to determine the number of games. If you want to negotiate on the number of games and you want to play more so that you can make a little more money, you've also got to be willing to negotiate on the the pro-rata share as well. So movement, but I thought that was pretty significant to hear Carl Ravitch, who is kind of the leading voice of baseball, Major League Baseball at ESPN, saying... This is Major League Baseball saying we are going to play a season. We just don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. So I think that's probably uh, positive news, good news. Uh, C Spire text line is open to you. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from Seaspire Business, featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. Learn more today at cspire.com slash business. Two tweets to read you, and then we'll get to the college football fix. First of all, from Jay Robertson, he says, Yawning is contagious because humans instinctively empathize with other people, and we imagine ourselves in their shoes. If someone doesn't yawn after seeing someone else do it, Rippy, they might lack empathy or be a sociopath. Explains a lot. Also, Josh, who is a Mississippi State fan, to Rippy's quips earlier, classic Rippy, doesn't always have a ton to say, but never misses when he does. Hands down, the funniest supporter of Ole Miss and Bernie Sanders I ever heard. Probably the only funny person that fits that group. Bad as I try, (laughs) I can't dislike that guy. I don't think I fit in either one of those groups, but the bit must play on. What do you mean you don't fit in either one of those groups? I mean, the birdie bit's pretty played out at this point, but I guess I, the, the joke is not being in on the joke, and then, like, I don't know, cover Ole Miss. You you went to school there. I did. Grew up going to games, whatnot. Okay. Anyway. How about the college football fix? It's going to be a tough one. It's a throwback. It's going to be really tough. TNT. All right, I'm TBS. Old Saturday Night Football on TBS. Not TBS. This will give it away. They use it for soccer songs now. So the you network should that? be Sports easy. Network? It's Fox. It was, oh. And they used oh. it for their 
this they only used it for their BCS games. They didn't use it for any other college football, just their BCS games. They now use it for soccer. Gotcha. There you go. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. See the great deals on all the Ford lineup. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive, oh, maybe the F-150. You can do that today. It's the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. So today, for the College Football Fix, we go to a saga that now appears to be over. Both Mississippi State transfers... Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett are headed to Tallahassee to play for Mike Norvell and Florida State. I'm going to read Borky's three questions as he wrote them specifically in this. We'll do it. We'll, we'll address the answers one at a time. What happened between last Monday and this Monday? Although Saturday or Sunday, I think, is when this actually happened. As I understand it, I, I just I'll spit it out. What, what, hey, Dad, why you got a big grin on your face? I'm interested to see what you say. With regard to the transfer portal and tampering and whatnot, Ole Miss probably didn't do anything different than what anybody else does in terms of contacting players. However, in terms of risk-reward, there is $8 million that is hanging out there in an escrow account that Ole Miss will receive in two years, two years from December, if they don't get in any trouble with the NCAA between now and then. And while they didn't believe that there would be any significant trouble related to the NCAA. They could not be certain of that and therefore decided that it would be better off to just move on. The potential gamble goes beyond $8 million, too. Look what the last NCAA colonoscopy did to the program. And you're still in the repeat offender window, too. Yeah, until November. Probation ends for Ole Miss in November. Right. So, um, hey, Dad, you, you had kind of a smirk on your face when you were waiting to hear what I said. Is that, do you think that was a fair summation? I will say it like this. I don't, the University of, not the University of Ole Miss, the University, Ole Miss, I don't believe did anything out of sorts. There may have been people connected to the University, which was the problem the last time around. That may have uh, put their put put themselves put the university in jeopardy, and very smartly the university decided this, like you said, not worth not worth going down this path. Probably doesn't go anywhere in the long run, but just maybe risk reward not worth it. Yeah, yeah. I, Rippy, I, anything and, you can add on that? I would tend, generally tend to agree with that. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but. Uh, I mean, that sounds like yeah. generally what happened. I've heard the rumors. I've heard them from more than one or two people. It's nothing I can report because it's all speculation and conjecture. But basically from what I was told, some people did some things they should not have. Ole Miss found out about it and were like, well, we're just not going to go down this path. 
if you don't have the last five years, last six years, whatever, you probably you, you, go down the path. They're playing for Ole Miss. They, 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 they've signed already, yeah. Well, I mean, um, who the hell knows? He could be back at State in two days. No, I doubt that actually happens, but you get my point. No, I mean, there's, that, there's no... That seems to be the one part of the equation that is not And Lovett's really a different a case because there couldn't be tampering with Lovett because he was already in the portal. Ole Miss coaches were free to talk to him. It's more about what happened with Jones. Parse through the rumors, Borky says. What's true and what isn't? Well, what's true is those kids aren't going to play at Ole Miss. I mean, that's that, at the end of the day, that's the, the most true thing. Um, I would say another thing that's true is that, look, you know, there are some head cases that make it, and Randy Moss was the head case. Yeah, but for every Randy Moss, there's 100 that don't. And Jerry and Jones, man, has been committed to two different schools and now has, and since, he, since, he, since signing day, State, Ole Miss, Florida State. I mean, good luck. I don't know. True, true or false? I'll let you answer this, Aiden. True or false? Yeah. If Ole Miss even has the appearance of stepping out of line with regard to the rules, mm-hmm. someone from Mississippi State will be sure to bring that to light. Absolutely. Different dynamic in the state of Mississippi than even one state to our east. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Fantastic news is the year 2020 seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. Got a uh, tropical depression working in the Gulf of Mexico. Woo! Lovely. You've seen the paths of it too, right? Where spe- I mean, I've only... I was looking at a path from uh, what Stephanie Abrams at the Weather Channel posted that showed it kind of, I don't know, due south of Louisiana on Saturday, kind of moving northeast. Yeah, the spaghetti. And when I say due south, I'm like hundreds of miles yeah. south. The uh, the spaghetti models have it anywhere from, in the far, it's kind of like an outlier is like towards Biloxi, but it's in between really Louisiana and Texas, and most of them are around the border of those two states and. Once it makes landfall, it's probably going to head up towards the right if these models prove to be accurate. So we're likely going to get something from it. Some rain. Hopefully, Hopefully that's all rain. it is. Yeah. A little bit of a breeze. It's going to be hot at the end of this week. I don't know if you guys have looked ahead. We're going to be up in the low to mid-90s by the weekend. But uh, there you go. Um. All right, there was one more question that Borky had. So he asked, what happened between last Monday and this one? Parse through the rumors, what's true and what isn't. And then he says, speaking of rumors, is there fire to the Charles Cross smoke, or is that just some dumb hipster blowing his vape? (laughs) Pretty proud of that one. Yeah. Uh, As far as I know, it's it's just some dumb hipster blowing his vape. Where did that rumor come from? Uh, an Ole Miss fan site. Okay. And that's... I mean, could it be true? Sure, anything could be true, but there's nothing There's nothing on the end here in Starkville that leads me to believe that it's the case. Of course, it, I, it's message boards, and so, you know, you've got to take them it's, with it's, the tiniest grain of salt. There are people on the Florida State message boards that are talking about going three for three. But it's message boards, and everybody on them is stupid. However... 
I, I think with the players getting back here, a lot of that's going to have to calm down because they're going to be around the coaches now, and, and it, it, I think it, it, it'll just settle itself down. C Spire text line. I love Richard, but every time Ole Miss gets caught up in something, he 100% of the time starts the conversation with what they're doing is something that all the other schools are doing, and that very well could be the case. But why, how do they keep getting caught? I said, I think Hey Dad answered your last question as we were going to break. He said he was answering as I was typing. Keep up the great work, guys. That's right. I, I mean, I don't even know that – I mean, I don't guess it matters the answer to this question, but – why is it so different? Why, why is the way that Ole Miss and Mississippi State treat each other, or Mississippi State and Ole Miss treat each other, however you want to phrase it, different than the way that Auburn and Alabama treat each other? I think the main reason is that there just hasn't been national success for both schools. You know, if you're an Auburn fan and you feel like Alabama got a recruit that you were supposed to get, well, what do you care? You're still going to finish with a top 10 class and you're still going to be preseason top 10 in the country and have a great team. If you're staying in Ole Miss, that player might be the difference between going to a bowl or not. You know, it's just that's just how it work, it works in the state. I will say this about this this current situation that, you know, recruiting-wise, I don't know. I mean, both schools are on probation right now, so you can't do a whole lot. You know, you don't want to you don't want to end up in that repeat uh, offender uh classroom. But when it comes to actually taking players off the roster, either university is justified in, in doing what they have to do to protect their rosters. It's one thing, it's a commitment. You know, Guys get flipped all the time. But if, if you're talking about one university might be doing something it shouldn't be doing with the players that are currently on your roster, you have to protect your, your players like that and your team and your university. You don't have any choice. A couple of other things on the, uh, the college football front. A college football legend passed away. Auburn's Pat Dye has died at the age of 80. He was hospitalized with long-standing kidney issues last month and while hospitalized tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know that those two things are... Nah, I'm, look, I'm not a doctor. And, you know, rippy jokes aside, he's not a medical doctor either. <laughs> and... I don't know if those two things are necessarily connected, but they are both true things. Uh, After coaching at Wyoming, Pat Dye, who, by the way, played at Georgia, arrived at Auburn in 1981, coached through the 1992 season, was also the athletic director from 1981 until 1991. Could you imagine trying to do that now? It's a different era. Dye led Auburn to SEC championships in 1983, 87, 88, and 89. Became the fourth coach in SEC history to win three straight SEC titles. Three times he was named SEC Coach of the Year. And is credited for getting the Iron Bowl back on Auburn's campus after it was played at Legion Field in Birmingham for 41 years. First Iron Bowl at Auburn came in 1989. In 2005, Auburn officially renamed its playing field at Jordan-Hare Stadium, Pat Dye Field. He went 99-39-4, was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2005. Before coaching at Auburn, he coached at... Alabama, East Carolina, and Wyoming. 
four children and nine grandchildren, uh, great-grandchildren. I'm sorry, four children, nine grandchildren, and generally considered to be one of the uh, one of the great characters in the SEC. Condolences to uh, Pat Dye's family and uh, all of the Auburn community that is mourning his death, college football legend passing away. And then, Borky, you mentioned it earlier, although kind of in passing, huge news for Clemson. Justin Ross, wide receiver on that Clemson team that is absolutely a star, was projected to go in the first half of the first round in the upcoming NFL draft, assuming he played well and continued to have production like he has had in previous seasons, has a congenital issue that was discovered and will not play during the 2020 season. It's sad because he was well on his way to having a healthy year and being a potential top 10 pick. He's just that good. Um, I've seen some people suggest that this may end his career. I don't as you mentioned, we're not doctors here. I've only seen that a handful of places, so my hope is that they are wrong and the majority calling him out for just this year uh, is accurate. Uh, Dabo Sweeney said that Justin Ross will not play this season and said there's no guarantee he can play football again. Oh, man, that's devastating. That's because. And then in the short he term, has a, I mean, Clemson is not a team that had a ton of depth at wide receiver. They've obviously recruited really well, but... They were going to lean on Justin Ross a lot this year, you know. I, 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 if if I had to do a poll, I would have Alabama number one in it, I think. But Clemson would have been number two. But now, I mean, how how good can I? I they have Lawrence and Etienne, so I mean that's as good as you're going to get in the backfield. But you know, they, they got some question marks with uh, T. Higgins being gone and now yeah. Justin Ross being sidelined forever. Their leading returning receiver is Travis Etienne. Caught 400 yards worth of passes last year. It's their leading returning receiver. So Ross was diagnosed uh, after an x-ray with a congenital fusion in his neck. Showed up in an x-ray this spring. He is having surgery this Friday. Number one player out of the state of Alabama in the class of 2018. First two seasons at Clemson. Racked up 1,865 yards receiving with 17 touchdowns on 112 catches, including 66 catches for 865 yards and 8 TDs last year. In four career college football playoff games, 23 catches, 424 yards, and 3 touchdowns for Clemson. That is such a tough break. Just feel terrible for him. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you hate that. Yeah. For, and I mean, this is not a, oh, well, he got hurt because he was playing college football. If he had gone to, that's not what we're talking about at all. I mean, this is, this is a deal that he was born with and had been dealing with some issues that they described back in March as stinger like symptoms. And as they dug deeper into this, realized it's a lot more serious. Yeah whole future in front of him. And you hope that it's okay. You hope that uh, he can go in and he can have surgery, even if it's a very serious surgery, can take the time that he needs to heal properly, and then can still have uh, opportunities to play in front of him. You would think but, that's the case with the way medical science is these days, that a surgery and a year's worth of rehab, he should be okay. You hope. Yeah, certainly hope so.
But obviously his long-term health is more important than whether or not he's able right. to sign a contract and, uh, and go to the NFL. Hmm. Best laid plans don't always work out. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at uh, supertalk.fm. We'll take a quick timeout, about half an hour left with you on this Monday afternoon. We will be right back. See, there's Haydad yawning. Now it's contagious to Haydad. It's going all over the place. We'll be right back. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on your device anywhere, anytime. While you're there, you can also subscribe to Thunder and Lightning, the Rebel Report, or the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Lots of ways for you to get Sports Talk Mississippi content on a, uh, on a daily basis. We've got golf coming back a week from Thursday in two weeks. PGA Tour tournament play will begin, and they have got a star-studded field coming for the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial in Fort Worth. Commitments from top five players in the world, Rory McIlroy, yep, John Rahm, number two in the world, Brooks Kepka at number three, Justin Thomas, number four, Dustin Johnson at number five, seven of the top ten in the world, 15 of the top 20 are in the field, including Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson, Xander Shoffley is committed, Tony Finau is committed, Shane Lowry has committed. Uh, in terms of the three top player, uh, players who are not yet in the field, Adam Scott at six, Patrick Cantley at seven, and Tommy Fleetwood at ten. Uh, this is the official world golf ranking as of last week, May 28th. Golfers have until five o'clock on Friday to enter the field. Tiger Woods, currently ranked 11th in the world, has not committed to play in the Charles Schwab. wonder if he will. He looked really good in the match. I mean, I know really it was just good. a match, but he looked great. I'm really fascinated to see how Tiger manages his schedule. Because, yes, he looked... Like he was in top form. Didn't miss shots, didn't miss fairways, pretty good control with the driver. But just looking ahead at what this, assuming we don't have a, you know, a secondary outbreak that derails everything in the fall, there's going to be a lot of big, big, big time golf that's got to be played between July and October. going to attempt to play three majors. The PGA, which is scheduled to be played at Harding Park in San Francisco. The U.S. Open, which is at Wingfoot. Is that right? Is that right, Rippy? Wingfoot for the U.S. Open? believe so, but we'll double-check. And then, of course, the Masters in November. I guess I said through October, really through November. you got the Masters in November... You've got the Ryder Cup, the playoff events, the Tour Championship. And Borky, I, I, I wonder how much... Well, I wonder if Tiger knows beyond a reasonable doubt that there is a finite number of golf swings in his body in a calendar year. And while, yeah, he'd love to get back to playing competitive golf and 
has always played kind of a limited schedule anyway. Maybe playing in Fort Worth just doesn't make sense, knowing what he's going to try to put his body through over the next four months. Probably so. It's broken down so much. Um, even without him, though, this is a big and important and really good opportunity for golf, right? Because it is not mainstream. Major League Baseball is not really mainstream anymore. Uh, but golf is certainly not mainstream. But for a few weeks, it will be. And so, no, Tiger Woods is is not the same. And when he's gone, there may not ever be a golfer that will replicate what he did for the sport. But in a weird, twisted way, the coronavirus might end up being good for it. Because for the first time in a while, outside of the Masters last year, it's going to be mainstream. It's going to be the only thing you can get, and a lot of people are going to watch it, and it's going to be quality because it always really is. And now you're going to have packed fields every week of the world's best players. I think this might end up being good for them because they'll be the forefront of sports for a while. And again, outside of the Masters last year, they haven't been for a very long time. So there's a story at golf.com right now. It was posted two days ago. What tournaments will Tiger Woods play when the PGA Tour season resumes? And Tiger's never been a guy that announces a bunch of tournaments in advance. He's got a pretty regular schedule in a normal year. Uh, What do you mean? He plays the majors, he plays the playoff events... Usually starts his year at Torrey Pines. He plays, I can't remember which one of those ones down in Florida, maybe the Honda or whatever that is now. Goes to Firestone where he's won 11 billion times, which I guess is now in Memphis, that he did not go to last year because he's back, if I'm not mistaken. Usually plays, now I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I mean he plays the minimum fifteen and pretty much has the same schedule. Even though they now they have that thing where you must play, was it two or three you haven't played the year before and whatever amount of years to kind of switch it up. But Tigers had a pretty, pretty normal-ish schedule with a few exceptions and tweaks each year for the last little bit. Golf dot com predicts that this was what Tigers schedule will look like. That he will skip the Colonial, but then will play the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head, June 18th through the 21st. He'll take two weeks off and then play the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. We'll take a week off, and then we'll play the Memorial, which is Jack's tournament right outside of Columbus, Ohio. He'll take off three weeks and play the PGA Championship take off a week and then play the Northern Trust, which is a playoff event. He'll play the BMW, which is a playoff event. He will play the U.S. Open three weeks later. And we'll play in the Ryder Cup the week after that, and then we'll take two weeks off and play in the Masters. (coughs) So there are also rumors that the Tour is going to try to fill the now vacant spot on the calendar where the canceled John Deere Classic was scheduled to be played with another tournament possibly being played at TPC Sawgrass, which is where the players was being played before it got cut short after just one round at the uh, onset of the pandemic outbreak in the United States. 
There's no tour championship in that list, though, that golf predicted. We'll see where all of it goes. But obviously, anytime Tiger's in the field, it, it changes everything pretty dramatically. So they're going to start with the Charles Schwab. They're going to play the RBC Heritage at, at Hilton Head. Then they'll go to Connecticut for the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. The Rocket Mortgage Classic has been moved from the end of May to the July 4th weekend. Tour's probably going to plug a tournament in place of the John Deere Classic, which has been canceled in Illinois. The Memorial was moved from June 4th to July 16th. The Open Championship was canceled. They'll play, at least as of right now, the 3M Open, which is a tournament in Twin Cities. I, I don't know if recent events will cause that to be altered or not. You're talking about end of July there. World Golf Championship event in uh, in Memphis. The FedEx St. Jude Invitational, July 30th through August 2nd. And there will be an opposite field event uh, with that. And that's really as far as they've gone uh, until you get to the uh, the playoffs, so it's kind of what's coming up for the um, for the PGA Tour. And right now, the PGA Championship is scheduled for August sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth at uh, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. Do we think that one gets played? I mean, I, uh, a month ago, I would have told you no way. They're going to play the PGA in California. But it feels like things are trending toward more openings in California, and it would not really be all that surprising. feels like it's difficult. I don't want to go too far down the road with this, but difficult to allow people to come out and protest and then say, but it's not safe to have a golf tournament. Well devil's advocate one's a first amendment right and the other one no 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 doubt no doubt but at the same time you know they they could say you know we're going to hold to our safe at home quarantine kind of risk restrictions so i don't know i'm not a lawyer so nor do i play one on tv i i mean fascinating is not the right word but i do think there are a lot of people that are going to be waiting to see if there's a spike in COVID-19 numbers after the protests in big cities all across the country over the last week. I guess we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will wrap. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.